Peace. I am Philip Roundtree, and you're tuned into episode 21 of Hashtag You Good Man. In this episode, we're going to have open and honest dialogue about the aftermath of the six-part docuseries Surviving R. Kelly. Unless you've been living under a rock, the series discussed the, the predatorial behaviors of R. Kelly, where his music was discussed and the, and the su subliminal messages that were included in his music. There were interviews by both victims and those who frankly were complicit in his sexual abuse of not only minors, but of adult women as well. Listen, we can have as much conversation on social media as we want about R. Kelly, whether we're going to cancel him or not, which I'm in firm agreement that we should cancel him. But if we're not going to have a discussion about where do we go from here with regards to sex abuse, especially amongst our, our, our most vulnerable population, which are children and women, then all this is for naught. And so in this episode, yes, we will be touching on, you know, the women who were violated in an in a unbelievable way by R. Kelly. But due to this being a male-centric podcast, we're definitely going to be talking about a community who, who's often overlooked in this conversation of sexual assault, sexual abuse. And that's the male population. We're talking about young boys and men. So full disclosure, I have not watched the docu-series, right? Because I know 17 years ago, I did see the 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 child pornographic video of R. Kelly and the 14-year-old girl uh, who was Sparkle's niece. Let's call it what it is. That was child pornography. And curiosity caused us to watch that video. But in watching that video, we're complicit. We're complicit in his behaviors. And so for that, I, I'm, I'm deeply sorry that I even uh, watched that video uh, just to keep up with the Joneses and to have that conversation. And to be honest, shame on anybody for now watching these videos some, some 15 to 20 years later with all the additional information that we have about Robert, there's really no reason to watch this. So I, I didn't watch the docu-series, um, especially because social media is going to give me play-by-play -play of everything that was discussed. And that's what happens when we leave, when we live in a social media era where everything is, is put online, put online, put online. You don't necessarily have to have watched it in order to, to understand what occurred. And so with that, I'm just going to talk about some of the takeaways that I got from the docu-series, which were relayed to me by others on social media. So one of the first things was black girls aren't protected. Listen, we recognize that black women, black girls are a most vulnerable population. We have to look no further than Centoya Brown from Tennessee, who was just given clemency because she was, she was sold into sex trafficking and she killed her abuser. Right. And so that's an extreme case. That's an extreme case. We're not talking about the, the girls and, and women who are who are sexually assaulted, who are raped, who are victims. Well, survivors of what we now know to be as rape culture. And so, again, being a being a male, I have to look at my role first and foremost. As a father. 
of a young girl. I have to look at my role and how I've been complicit in quote unquote rape culture, right? Because ultimately I didn't know any better and not knowing any better is not an excuse, right? Not knowing any better. Yeah, it may understand the reasoning to it, but that's not an excuse for the behavior. So no, uh, myself, my friends, we may not uh, participate in overt rape culture. But listen, I've gotten mad at a woman and called her a bitch, right? I've I've had I've I've lied about my intentions, and this goes uh, this goes on, and I don't want to say lied about my intentions, but I have been clear about my intentions at times with women who I was interested in. Maybe it might be in a, a sexual manner, right? And so we're just talking about what it means to be a decent human being at the end of the day. Now, I don't hold myself hostage by it because I believe in growth. I believe in change. I believe in evolution, right? So so even though I may not have, have been able to think critically about these situations when I was 17, eight years, 18 years of age, for me, in my opinion, I don't have an excuse now as an educated man at 35 as a father. And so I recognize the importance of when we say protect women, protect black girls. Why that's so critical. I'm uh, at one point I used to get mad when I saw believe women. Right. And that, but when I when I think about it critically, it's not a matter of. Uh, believing women for, for getting what's, um, you know, whether they're telling the truth or not. What we're talking about believe women is, listen, ha let's have an open investigation. Let's have a real investigation into, into claims that's happening that I'm bringing to the forefront. Don't just put me to the side. And so when I hear believe, I'm saying, take what I'm saying uh, into consideration. Believe me in what I'm saying. Now, the findings will be the findings, right? But at first, it has to start with, listen, I'm willing to listen. Now, we know the statistic is one in three adults will not believe a child who says that they're, they've been sexually abused. I believe it's, it's, it's higher than that. I believe it's higher than that. So, yes, we are... It's an in critical, it's it's imperative, it's critical that we not only believe women enough to 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 offer an investigation, to not just automatically be dismissive, to take their feelings into consideration, but it's imperative that we protect our girls. Another theme is adults who are complicit in his behavior, right? So a friend of mine was on Fox 29. Uh, here in Philadelphia, and they played the clip of his manager who said, well, you know, we just did what R. Kelly wanted us to do. I'm like, wait, what? What? Are you, are you serious? Even if, even if for, for some reason you felt obligated to comply with that, with that, that's that was mind boggling to me. That made me nauseous. That made me sick to my stomach because we recognize a lot of adults are complicit in child endangerment, are complicit in child sexual abuse. When I used to work as a, a, a child protection service worker here in Philadelphia, 
Um, they would be considered perp perpetrators by omission. You knew something was happening and you turned a blind eye. And in his case, he facilitated it. Oh, wow. Wow. It, it, it makes my it makes my blood boil. When I think about that, we talk about Sparkle, who was aware of of who he was as an individual. And how she still introduced her niece to her. Complicit. We talk about the parents who turned a blind eye for the next reason, which was, listen, for some of them is to get out of poverty. Listen, I recognize I fully am. I'm fully aware of the impact of poverty and how it'll have people doing things they wouldn't necessarily do. But out of desperation, they feel so compelled. I still can't fathom allowing your child to be around a sexual predator who has a history in the mainstream media. So again, it's not that you didn't know Sparkle, his manager. It's not like you didn't know, like Aaliyah didn't exist. But you continued on. And that's what's even even more damaging to, to just the overall fabric of society. Right. So when they talk about now how they're doing investigation into possible criminal charges for R. Kelly, I wish they could they could hold these individuals accountable as well. Again, a full investigation needs to take place into this entire situation, which I know at least is taking place in Georgia. The nastiness of the music industry. The nastiness. We're talking about power. We're talking about control, especially with men. We know we live in a patriarchal society, which throughout history, men have been in control and the music industry is no different. And so that's what that's what has allowed R. Kelly to thrive and to flourish because he has power, because he made I Believe I Can Fly, because he made one of my personal favorite songs, which now I will not be able to listen to anymore. Step in the name of love, because, again, I'm 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 hell-bent on him being canceled entirely even in the midst of he, if he's ever to to show some type of remorse or or make some type of efforts towards change in my eyes he's done but also what that did for me is that made me open up my eyes and recognize that again complicit so when i listen to miguel how many drinks will it take for you to leave with me if we're not talking about rape culture in that one line, what are we talking about then? So now this is now we have to be more aware. And hopefully as we progress, as we go forward, we no longer uh, will tolerate songs. And so, and so lastly, we're going to get into uh, male victimization which will be the theme going forward in this dialogue, in this conversation, because I don't think that got enough publicity in the social media firestorm that was created by this salacious topic, right? R. Kelly's brother uh, admitted to being sexually abused, which is extremely difficult, extremely difficult. And he intimated that, that Robert may have been sexually abused as well, which offers more insight into his behaviors. Again, it's not an excuse 
but it, we offer more insight because ultimately the goal is we need to know what's happening at a younger age. This doesn't just start at age 30 that or 25 or 20 that I want to be a sexual predator. We know that there are signs and that there are symptoms that are occurring much earlier on. And we know that being a victim slash survivor of child abuse, of especially of child sexual abuse, is, is, is one of those factors. And so to start, we know that one in six boys will be sexually assaulted before the age of 18. Now, I saw a lot of dialogue about um, masculinity and how women, um, adult women who who had interactions with teenage boys, how that would be viewed as a badge of honor. I completely agree. But statistically speaking, we know that the average average age of a victim of child sexual abuse is the age of nine. And that 90 percent of the time it's by somebody with whom they trust, with whom they love. So we're talking about a babysitter. We're talking about a we're, we're talking about uh, a, a parent. We're talking about a family member. And so, yes, although that's credible. That idea of how it's a badge of honor to sleep with an older woman. That's not the norm. We're also talking about the signs and symptoms. Because a lot of questions come out of this. Well, how do we know? How do I know if my child has been sexually assaulted? And there are some similarities across gender. But there are also some differences. So sometimes our becoming emotionally detached that once that child who once wanted to engage with others now is they'll seclude themselves or especially we know that that there are pedophiles that exist who uh um assault children who are babies who are infants who are toddlers and we'll also see that there we'll see some maladaptive social behaviors we'll see physical aggression which you'll experience a lot with boys where they want to lash out, where they want to fight everybody. We'll too also see it with girls. We're talking about overt sexual aggression, where you're, where the child may be playing with dolls or may be doing sexually explicit things, where they have no problem exposing themselves, especially at an age where you're supposed to be um, very hyper aware and hypersensitive about how you come across. We're talking about being inappropriate with adults, wanting to sit on adults' laps, willing to, to engage with each and every adult. It's completely, quote unquote, normal for a child to, to not want to interact with adults. So that's why we have to be mindful about forcing our kids to go give so-and-so a hug. Regardless whether they're a pedophile or not, because we don't we, we want to practice safety. We want to be secure and, and have them recognize that they don't have to to show physical affection to everybody. Because that can be detrimental, that can be damaging. We're talking about bedwetting, me being a therapist, especially of, of young boys. I've, I've had several clients who were sexually abused and bedwetting was a, a, a prevalent theme because a result of night terrors or the, the the physiological issues that take place as a result of being uh, assaulted when we're talking about rape. 
It's a difficult conversation to have, but it's necessary. We're talking about wearing baggier clothes. You'll see a lot of young girls who may be, they may be developed, they may not be developed, but they don't want to be viewed as a sexual object. So they'll throw on a, a, a 4XL t-shirt, a 2XL t-shirt when they're 50 pounds, right? Because they don't want to be viewed as a sexual object because they've been assaulted. Another sign and symptom. A child saying, I've been physically assaulted. So-and-so touched me. Again, we're talking about believing children. Believing children enough to say, listen, we're going to do an investigation. Listen, uh, I'm going to contact the, <coughs> excuse me, that we're going to contact the appropriate authorities in order for an investigation to take place, not poo-pooing what they're saying. I watched a, a web series last night and the name escapes me but one of the themes was the adult male had been sexually abused by his uncle and he and his he and his mother had a conversation about it and she refused to acknowledge his pain even as an adult and what happened so we have to believe children believe them enough to get get special victims unit involved to contact uh your local children and youth services because again, we don't want the children to grow up to become, especially our young boys, to grow up to become R. Kelly or experience other consequences as a result. And when we're talking about other consequences, we're talking about hyper-masculinity, where now because I've been abused, now I'm out here having to prove how tough I am, which again, we talk about aggression, or we're talking about not being able to have healthy relationships with others, or being oversexed where I, I have to have sex with with as many girls as possible to prove that I'm a man because my uncle touched me right so I, I have to prove that I'm not gay that I'm not a homosexual which again is not only detrimental to this this young person this young boy but with anybody who with whom he comes in contact with we're talking about again violent offenders Anybody that has sex with a child is a violent offender. R. Kelly is a violent predator. We're talking about, uh, again, future perpetrators. There's a high probability that a child who was sexually abused as a child later in life, if they do indeed offend, that it was a result of what they've experienced in their childhood. This goes into the bigger discussion. Why don't males disclose? Listen, we're aware that stigma exists. That's why terms like toxic masculinity exist because it perpetuates uh, stigmas. So if you are, again, if you are touched by an uncle, touched by a brother, touched by a cousin or a male, uh, a, a male adult figure or another teen or child, you're going to be viewed as gay, as homosexual which especially in the black community is probably the worst thing you could say to another black man. You're a faggot. That's worse than being called the N word, especially amongst us. And so that's why young boys don't, don't disclose or adult men don't expose, uh, um, disclose as well. We're talking about what society says you have to look like and, and how you need to act to be a man. You have to be strong. You have to be tough. You have to endure. You're not allowed to, to um, 
engage your quote unquote feminine side, which is about sharing of feelings. You have to harbor all of that. And then we're talking about just the general disbelief that comes with not believing survivors, not believing victims. No, I know so-and-so. They wouldn't do that. He may step in the name of love. How would he ever do that? He made I Believe I Can Fly. He wrote Fortunate for Maxwell. How could he ever touch anybody? How could he ever sexually assault uh, young girls? How could he ever hold women captive? He's the king of R&B. So our perception, our society, and how, again, how we're complicit. So what I'm going to get into now is, before I wrap it up, it's just some, some advice for fathers and male figures so we can be preventative. Listen, we need to create dialogue, having honest conversation with our child, with our mentee. I have a 10-year-old daughter. I haven't had the discussion about um, sexuality, about her body, which also needs to come from me, not just her mother. I can't and I, I can't have her call her vagina a cooter or her breast a tata. Because when it comes down to it, when something happens, God forbid, I need her to say so-and-so attempted to touch my vagina and I stopped them. I need her to be aware of her body because that empowers her. That gives her strength. I need to have her recognize the importance of good touch versus bad touch, which is critical. Yes, you can shake your you can shake hands. You can give daps, but you don't have to shake hands. You don't have to give daps. You don't have to hug a man who wants to hug you. You don't have to hug another woman, another young girl, if, if that's not what you want to do. Let alone somebody touching your inner thigh. So that's something we have to be mindful of. Have that dialogue so they can be comfortable. One thing I, I was hell-bent on is my daughter being comfortable and discussing with me any and everything. I made sure I never told her because I said so. Because the moment I say because I said so, that hinders her ability to be expressive. That's one coin in the jar of, well, I can't have a conversation with dad about this. And so no, yes, it does it become tedious? Yes, does it become frustrating answering every question in depth for sure? But I know the alternative because I see what's happened to children who haven't been allowed to have a voice. They turn into adults who don't have a voice and things are allowed to happen to them because they don't know how to speak up. Fathers, men, avoid perpetuating toxic masculinity. Avoid it. That's talking about when you hear how many drinks, no matter how much I love that song, I recognize that that is inappropriate. That means the bystander approach. When your homies are having conversations about women, about girls, about boys, calling them bitches and niggas and things like that, not just allowing it to happen. Having conversation about women and, and boys and men in degrading ways. We're complicit when we just let it happen. Again, it's easier said than done. I'm a, I'm a prime example. I ha it's not easy. 
I go into a barbershop where they say the N-word all the time and it's difficult for me to step up and say something. It's difficult because I what's the consequences? What's the ramifications? But it's so necessary. It's necessary. We can't just continue to allow things to happen. Somebody has to exhibit the strength. Somebody has to, to be the change that they want to see. How can we be allies? Listen, investigate all claims. When, again, when I say believe women, it's not saying, oh, just automatically say you're guilty and you're innocent. No, but what it's saying is, listen, this was made as an allegation. Let's investigate this. Let's see what's happening. Let's give it to the proper authorities. Let's ask questions. Listen, did you touch so-and-so? That's that's the steps that we need to take when we're talking about believing, believing women, believing children, believing men. Because again, men are also victims. Men are also victims. I know in this Me Too era, uh, it's it's vogue now to to overtly uh, and covertly ignore issues that affect men because it's easy to throw out. We live in a patriarchy. It's a result of of your genitalia historically but listen things happen to us too and if you get nothing from this recognize that things happen to us too that impact us that will impact others and yes we have to be responsible for our own behaviors and be held accountable but we also have to be given grace we also have to be have to be recognized acknowledged we don't want to be tough all the time because that's detrimental to our wellness. Listen, we need to participate in rallies, pushing the narrative forward, denouncing rape culture. And again, I talked about the bystander approach where don't just let things happen in front of you. You build the comfort up the more time you confront whatever the behavior is. Listen, it's been an emotional, an emotional 20 some odd minutes, but hopefully I've been able to convey just how important this topic is, not just for women but and girls, but for boys and men alike, because we exist. So I'd be remiss if I, if, and, and not be doing my job if I didn't offer some resources. So we know the National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-HOPE. You can call them for assistance right to to have a conversation about what you've experienced we have the child abuse hotline each state has a different number so uh, i encourage you to google your state county's local hotline err on the side of caution i'd rather be wrong and after calling in uh, child abuse child sexual abuse than wrong and not call it in and something indeed happens and nobody investigates and then last but not least Therapy with a licensed professional. Professional. What if R. Kelly's brother got therapy? Would he have encountered the hardships in life? What if R. Kelly was indeed assaulted and a victim and a survivor and he got therapy? Will we then be able to appreciate his catalog? Would he then be able to be a healthy, well-adjusted individual? But again, the environment has to be safe because the goal is to avoid the next R. Kelly happening. And right now, right now, the next R. Kelly is being groomed. 
He's a seven-year-old boy who's being sexually assaulted, sexually abused by a male figure in his home, by a, a female figure in his home. He doesn't feel that he has a voice to have a conversation. And so it's, it's incumbent upon us to have, make that environment as safe as possible to be able to have that dialogue with him. Again, and it saddens me to say the next R. Kelly is being assaulted as we speak. And so canceling R. Kelly doesn't do anything for that little boy. Prosecuting R. Kelly does nothing for that little boy who's going to turn up to be a man. Remember, black boys and black men matter as well. <sighs> Listen, you can follow me on Instagram at Phil underscore quadify. That's P-H-I-L-Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y. <sighs> on Twitter by the same name. Catch me on Facebook.com slash Philip MSW, that's P-H-I, two L's, I-P, M is a Mary, S-W. And you can check out my quad my website, www.quadifyquadefyllc.net. Listen, I, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Share with a friend, share with a brother who could benefit from this information.